There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. This is Soccer 101 with Moon and Rockio. Welcome back to Soccer 101 with Moon and Rockio. Rockio, that was a uh, that was that was a rough start. We're just gonna we're just gonna hit the ground running and say, you know what? Round one, week one uh, is is behind us. And what do we do? St. Louis City SC lost to uh, the Oppo State rivals there, uh, Sporting KC, four to one. In a best of two, I'm sorry, a best of three uh, series here for a round one of the playoffs. Um, didn't look good. Didn't didn't look good. I'm sure we can break down a little bit of the strategies and see what happened. But how are you feeling about it? I mean, yeah, didn't feel great about it. Obviously, it was a rough one. You know, kudos to all the fans who went out there. I, I've heard some stories about how rough it was. Obviously, if, if you were, you know, one of the very loyal fans who's out there, and, you know, not under the overhang. I can't imagine just how rough that was with how, with how cold it was. So, you know, kudos to all the fans who stayed out there. It was extremely impressive uh, to anyone uh, who, who's kind of coming after fans who left by about the 80th minute. Uh, why the hell wouldn't you be leaving at that point? That's completely reasonable. Uh, it was late. It was cold. And uh, you couldn't get an umbrella. So ponchos suck. I hate wearing a poncho. Yeah, late, uh, cold, I, late cold and rainy on a school night Sunday at 9 p.m. Um, thankfully, this next match is uh, coming up on Sunday at 4 p.m. or so I read. That's yes. the correct time, right? Yes, 4 p.m. on Sunday in Kansas City, and then either 4 or 5 p.m. on Saturday uh, should they win game two and they're back here for game three. So, yeah, it, it was a rough one, Moon, but I, I think there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful for for a game three being you know happening. Yeah, I think so, too, especially Saturday. Uh, I, I read it's 5 o'clock on the 11th Okay, uh, gotcha. if we need a game three since we're going to need it. One was five. Yeah, since we're gonna need a game three, I do have confidence in the go. team that they can that they can bounce back. Um, we just did a uh, a segment on uh, Channel Two. They wanted to to feature the podcast and uh, talk about you know the rising popularity of Soccer One Hundred and One here, and uh, just soccer in general and what it means to us to have a team. And one of the things we were talking about was uh, the composure that this that this team has shown um, mm-hmm. over the course of the season. Yeah, we've lost a couple matches and. We can get into how we see this pass loss uh, paralleling or comparing to some of the other pass losses. It wasn't the greatest ending of a season for us um, as far as score lines go. So how do they bounce back? How, how do they how do they start the bounce back here going into game two on another Sunday uh, against a rival that now has shown like, wow, they can come from a wild card position and really out strategize and and play pretty simple uh soccer and and beat the the top of the west team how, how do we how do we go about it i mean you you have to play with the ball i mean that's 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 the simple that's the simple fact of the matter because i don't see why sporting kansas city would would, would come at it any differently uh that's why would they change why would sporting kansas city give you the benefit of playing the style that that made them, you know, that got them a loss in, in two out of the three games in the regular season. 
you know, they, they City has shown in, in multiple games, not just this past playoff, playoff game, they don't play with the ball well. And you saw it a, a lot this past Sunday. And the bottom line is to change that is your stars have to step up. Klaus has to step up. Leuven has to step up. It's funny. We just talked about yesterday about how you kind of, or, or last week, I should say, that you kind of came around on Edu Leuven. And then in my opinion, he has one of the worst games of the season for him because – and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Moon, because you you, know, you played a lot more soccer than I did. I just I just watch a ton of it now. If you're going to have a possession heavy you know game, and you're going to have a game where you're getting hemmed into the back line a lot, and you're not able to connect your three levels, you're not able to connect your three levels across defense, midfield, and your forwards. If those are the problems you're having, it seems to me that somebody who's really good. And who says that his favorite thing to do, and this is this is from Edu Ed, Ed Leuven earlier in the season, and he told me he likes playing, you know, the the eight, you know, back back, you know, next to Blom. He likes playing that more than the 10 because, and this is a quote from him, he gets to go back to the defense, get the ball, and then when he turns around with the ball, he's got the entire field in front of him. That's exactly the game that City had to play. They kept cycling it back to their center backs, cycling it back to the goalie. Well, at that point, get it to Blom, get it to Leuven, and then Leuven, you got you got AZ, you got Shroud, and you got Klaus. Make something happen. It seems like it'd be a perfect game for him. He's been your best player for a lot of the season. He's your leading scorer, total points, goals, and assists combined. I just don't see why he didn't make more of an impact on that game especially in the second half when it was clear you weren't going to be able to, you know, outpress Kansas City that night. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack it with what you just said. Some of my concerns in the beginning, obviously, I've I've talked about how in this league defense is really going to matter. Yeah. Um, it's 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 really going to matter. We ha we have a strong defense. We have the best keeper, uh, or, or you know, top two, three best keepers, uh, any you know, week in week out, and that's made a big difference in the, you know, being in top of the West and all that. But um, like you mentioned with possession, let's go to the possession. Cause this isn't, this isn't news and it's been said before, but one of the striking things in all the losses, or I believe the majority of the losses that happened this season, including this last one, St. Louis had possession. St. Louis had St. Louis city was, was in control of the ball more than 55% of the time. Uh, I think up into and the sixties lost. Yes, uh, up in, into the 60s. Now, let's compare that with our original, what we were told was our original uh, strategy, this crazy um, uh, counterattacking soccer, crazy counterattacking, like, you know, dump and runs, go, you know, Klaus, Joe Acchini, speed, skill up front, but again, playing into the backfield, dumping, taking the ball, dumping, um, and I don't mean, you know, dumping in the hockey sense, like just dumping it into a corner kind of thing. I mean, like strategic uh, counterattacking. And that doesn't work when you have the ball 60 or 65% of the time, because what are you counterattacking if you've got the ball? And it seems like a simple strategy. It seems like we're talking like, you know, playground ball here, but it looks like that that's how we've been beat every single time. And yeah. it's, this is not new. I'm not the first one to say this, but it looks like Kansas city came in and said, let's let these guys make their own mistakes. And, uh, and let's, uh, let's let them have the ball. We're not going to play Barcelona possession ball here. We're just going to let them, you know, uh, become, less confident in themselves, make a mistake here or there. And a lot of times you're, you're, you're playing mistake ball or you're playing the weakness of, of the team that you're playing. And it seems like 
everybody's now seen our weakness and ex is exploiting it. So, and you played in, you played into it by not playing two strikers. I I really think that you know that's right now been the consensus. They they kind of played into because it's you know and and, and I think the reason why it works so well is that Klaus likes likes to press a lot that takes him out of position out of the middle and then at that point when you don't have another striker now you're not you know pressing and, and putting pressure on the center backs of Kansas City and your attack just kind of dies on the vine you get a second striker in there and now when Klaus goes to press or and what I've seen in my opinion it appears to me that Klaus likes to dribble from the outside but he likes to, you know, be a target man when he's in the middle. So he can go press on the outside, then he can go dribble at defenders on the outside, and Sam Adenaran still there in the middle to continually threaten the back line there. And then you get more usage out of Marcanic or Norwinsky or a Watts coming up the flanks and throwing in crosses and stuff because you still have a guy, you still have a big body in there instead of somebody like AZ having to just crash in there who, while very good at headers, simply is not 6'5". Yeah, and speaking of big bodies, um, Leuven has to be a big body in the midfield uh, yeah. coming coming forward in this in, in this game. Like you're saying, he, he needs to uh, – really be an anchor for this team, but he needs to be an anchor for this team. And I think where he's, he is, we have an advantage with him is, um, you know, he's not, he's not a rookie. He's not a new player. And hopefully he can show some real confidence going in because this is a confidence game, especially with, especially with strikers. Uh, and we got to hit the ground running and be confident that this game is going to be easily taken and, and can be, can be taken with with force. I think it's going to be an incredibly physical game. You started seeing a lot of physical stuff at the end. I think the ref really didn't let the game play like it should have. This is a physical game, and I think there were a couple calls there that were pretty stupid. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, just uh, just let let them play, yeah, uh, kind of thing. I don't think anyone was at risk, and there was a couple things that were happening that that just seemed a little, uh, I don't know, small for the call. And I'm hoping that we don't see that. I don't know what was going on with with that, but I, I hope the game. I, I see the game being extremely physical. I hope it is not um, taken over by the refs. I hope the refs are not an issue and do not play a part in it, especially if there is a low score and it gets really tight at the end. Thankfully, we're not working with aggregate here. You win the game, you come back to St. Louis. Tell you what, um, I learned that. Learn. I, I I learned that word this week. Yeah, so aggregate. Hey, l listen, we haven't done a word of the week, and in, in, there you in, go. Aggregate usually, if you're playing a, a two-legged sort of mm -hmm. uh, a playoff um, in Europe or wherever you may may see this happen, um, if you went, if you went and you played in St. Louis and you lost four to one, it would cumulatively stack, and we would have to win the game by a bigger margin away uh, than that three-goal margin uh, to 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 take the win. Thankfully though, this is just a simple, much more American uh, knockout round of best two of three. So we can go over there and win one, nothing um, or two, nothing, whatever it might be. And, and come back, um, which is, which is good. It's good because when you're up against something like an aggregate like that, it's, it plays in the head. It can get really, um, it can get really heavy on the shoulders. So let's go back to, to, to talking about where, where these guys are in the midfield. I don't. I don't know what they do with okay. starting eleven. I'm glad, since, you're, I'm glad you're bringing this up. This is yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with starting eleven since you mentioned. You know, it seemed like we were we were playing a little a bit of a defensive ball and kind of set ourselves up for the Kansas City trap, which and and you know what? Before we even get into that, I'm going to say oh, some yeah. high school coach stuff here, yes, and, yes, and, yes. and just maybe may, I'm 
I'm I'm upset. Well, especially one of those goals. I think it was the second KC goal uh, that just ripped into the right corner. That ball came out of the KC defense, whether it's kicked on a goal kick or something like that. If it's in the air, who is attacking that ball? A city player in the first half of this season was always on the balls in the air. There was always somebody pushing somebody, jockeying for position, and getting the first touch on that thing and controlling the ball out of the air. What was that? What was that like? They, I, I mean, they got they got completely beat in 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 fifty fifty balls, headers, things like that. Roman Berkey, that was one of the things he highlighted in his post game comments, was saying that you know they didn't win, you know they didn't win the balls that they usually always win. Yeah, that was. I mean, uh, Taylor Twelman mentioned it in his interview on Balloon Party. We're going to pe- play some sound from that a little bit later on here in the podcast. Taylor Twelman mentioned it that statistically, you know, it's not just like. Plaudits is it's statistically City is the second best team in the league in the regular season at 50-50 balls. And they completely just just they just let, let they let the yeah, game happen. They let, them win. they let they dude, my 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 high school coach would have been screaming, saying, like, you cannot let what the if, game happen. It was literally about, my job. Like I, I was not a skilled uh, I was not a skilled striker. I wasn't a skilled anything. You know what I was? I was a tenacious, crazy person. I was well, combine that. Combine that moon with getting letting a goal off a bad clearance. How would your yeah, coach dude. react? How would, how would your coach react to the combination of two of four goals being from those two, you know, basic mistakes? Yeah, and the wild thing is the finishes were were great. Casey's finishes were great. The the goals were deserved once they once they got there. They should never have gotten there. And you cannot play playoff. You can't play playoff ball in any sort of sport in any sort of league. Uh, and 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 let the game happen. You can't let the game happen. You have to control it. And and the balls out of the air there and those 50-50 balls, I think that's what mattered ultimately. I mean, we can talk about the strategy and the possession and all that kind of stuff, but those 50-50 balls, dudes, what the hell are you doing out there? You try like you you gotta you gotta work for it, man. And that was um that was the strength of of the 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 players that didn't have the skills um to be all-star players, like 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 myself, like yo. I don't care. I was a foot shorter than everybody, but I touched the ball first period. Like I was, I would climb you like a mountain, like the the ball's in the air. If I can get to it, I will be the the one that gets to it. And, and, and uh, of course I'm no professional soccer player, but I just witnessed a different mindset and a different attitude and a different um, play to play attack with the midfield and the defense on those balls in the air and those 50, 50 balls. And that's got to get cleaned up. That's like basic crap. I agree with you on that one. And and you mentioned positioning of the midfield, and, and that's something that, that I've been kind of getting into on Twitter uh, today and, and previously because there's a lot of people I see who are, who are complaining about Leuven's positioning and that, you know, he's the number 10, you know, you need to play him at number 10. And, you know, there's some people bothered by his, you know, that AZ gets in his way offensively and things like that. I just – I personally do not see that. I think – you know, I'm, again, I, I'm going to acknowledge that, that Leuven had a bad game. Leuven had a bad game, in my opinion, because he's so effective from that deep-lying playmaker role. And, and, and this weird, like, obsession with him playing up forward, I don't know where it came from because he didn't – he hasn't really done that in, in a city jersey. He's mainly played in a back in – in a, in, you know, However you want to simplify, you want to call it a pivot, you want to call it the eight and the six, you want to call it two defensive midfielders, however you want to call it. He's playing back there with Blom most of the time where Blom is going to break up everything defensively and Lubin's going to make everything happen defensively. It's in, it, I don't, I'm just confused why there's a weird thing where people want Lubin playing up when he hasn't played up. He's either played 
in, in a back two defensive mid, midfielder, or he's played outside at left mid when they played that 4-4-2 diamond. It's a weird thing to me that all of a sudden this is the problem with City, that he's not playing forward when AZ Jackson's been incredible there. He's not the distributor, but your distributor doesn't have to be the, your your nominal 10. It does, you know, your distributor doesn't have to be the guy who's sitting in the hole between your 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 middies and your attackers. That doesn't have to be your main distributor. Leuven's your main guy, and I think that's his best spot offensively and defensively, whereas AZ, God, the press works because he's able to just attack from that spot. And, and, I, and that's not one of the things I would expect or want to see Carnell change the lineup coming up here in game two. Yeah, you know, if, if if it was a video game, and I don't even know, I don't know on the video games what position they say that he is, but he's a CDM to me. He's a center. There you go. Yeah, because that's good. Thank you. Yeah, if he's if he's ripping shots, I want him doing it from the 18. And I don't have the stats to back this up, but I don't think he scored many goals from inside the six. Not so really, the, no. the, the six yard box, you know, uh, again back to the word of the week here. When I say six, that's six yards. That's the small box in front of the goal that that the that the keeper has, and then the full box is 18 yards out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I see him. He's, he's got highlights from the 18 or beyond, not, not from, not from the six and in. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Maybe a lot of, maybe a lot of people are just seeing 10 on Messi and they're seeing all these goals and they're, and they're like, why is it Leuven where Messi is? Um, but it's a different, like you said, it's a different strategy. He's playing in a different role. I'm sure the coach is, is, it sounds like Leuven and the coach are real, are real, like on the same page and they're real tight. So, um, I'm going to assume that Leuven is is uh, following directions, and and I'm going to assume the coach is bummed. I, I'm going to assume the coach oh, is bummed with, with the play. Yeah. I haven't heard anything from Carnell, um, uh, presser wise or any of that kind of stuff. Maybe you can enlighten me. We'll hear from him tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to say. Thursday. You're here from Thursday. Thursday. My bad. And I'm assuming he's just going to talk about the future, not not too much about the past. But I I, I got to think, I got to think he was pretty bummed. I mean, he got he got blitz. I mean, like I mean, again, it's not just that they got possession. I think that's people are to me. People are focusing on the fact that City had a lot of possession, which is true. But I think it's just that it's it's the kind of possession. It's, it's that it's that in other games, City's been able to progress the ball, and they simply can't break teams down in the final third, which is again something you criticize and something that has been a problem for City this season. But that's not the issue here against that game. They, they they were never even progressing the ball to the final third. They were stuck cycling the ball from fullback to center back to Berkey to center back to maybe the midfield and maybe get something going from there. That's what it was. They were hemmed into their own side and they couldn't progress the ball. That's where I think it was an anomaly to even the losses we've seen from City. Take the good games out. Just look at when they've played poorly. That it wasn't it didn't it never looked like that. And I think that's that's why I think you're right that Carnell's probably bummed because again, they got bum rushed in a style that they just didn't expect. They got outplayed, they got outpressed for the first time yeah. ever this entire season, and they didn't know how to react to it. Again, them not being able to break down defenses is been a problem, and, and they've they've overcame it by making turnovers and getting transition things to happen, but again. If they are able to move the ball consistently into Kansas City's final third, even with how they have trouble breaking down final, you know, final thirds, they get two or three goals in that game, and and that's not what happened. Yeah, I mean, we, we it's a four three loss. Yeah, we obviously want to see a little bit more tenacity from um, from up top, but man, as a as a natural born defender, I I gotta mm-hmm. see more. 
I got to see more of the defenders just feeling like this is sacred ground and not not ball watching. Um, not that they were fully ball watching on any of those when you slow them down the highlights, but they just weren't exactly where they should be if they feel like this this cannot happen. This is my goal. You have to defend it with your life. And um, yeah, I got I got to see some real like fire. And it's it's hard to like you know it's mu- much more of a subtle fire from from a defensive perspective as far as like the show the performance. Um, but when it's there, you see it. And we had it, man. We had it in the beginning of the season. Like our, def- our defense was like, I don't know. I mean, they were on some extra, extra Wheaties, man. They were just on, on extra defensive duty, skill or no skill. Like you could see this, this kind of rabid tenacity from them. And, um, and I don't want to call them flat footed cause I don't, I did not see them like flat footed. Okay. Like they were maybe once, uh, earlier this season, it just didn't seem as, tenacious and smart about about that defense you want to you want to switch gears for a second and talk about uh, another number 10 well i really quickly i because you're, you're you being a defender i really want to get your thoughts on nielsen really quickly because um one of the things that that twelman pointed out is that they only have i think he said i think he think he said one regulation win right now with nielsen starting at center back and they've allowed 15 goals in his I think it was eight, seven starts. So do you, when you watch this, this, this back four, personally for me, I think it's, I think there's just questionable tactics with the fullbacks. Do you, when you watch this back four, specifically when you've watched the back four over the last month and a half of Parker and Nielsen, do you see an issue with those two holding their line, being able to, being able to stop other attackers do you what do you what do you see as a defender when you watch the center back pairing that we will probably see on sunday uh let's see i see regular season final nil nil i see regular season final two one i see regular season final four one then i see regular season final three to nothing st louis loses then i see uh decision day uh seattle shuts us out again loses we we, we lose two to nothing and then i see a blowout four to one I mean, if you're going to play stat ball, you just you just you just gave us the stats. Yeah. So now you have to change things and play ball. Um, I hate to say that, but man, like you have to have such intense leadership right there in those two center backs. Again, pulling balls out of the air or directing people to do so, and and not letting things get get weak or 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 spread too far one way. Like ah, your center backs are so important, man, and especially when you have. Uh, a, a possession type of game and you have a team that's wanting you to have possession and wanting you to make mistakes and uh, make mistakes and wanting you to feel less confident because you have possession and you're not sure what to do with it and you're having less success I, in all honesty man like that's some of the difference between like uh you know LAFC Kalini's like some of these like veterans uh, center backs when point. they come in they may not be as fast as they used to be. You may be able to be able to outrun them as far as strikers go and all that, but like the just absolute confidence, the fire, and the intelligence of uh, a good center back is is one of the most unsung heroic things that will ever happen on a field. And if you go back and you look at all these like famous defenders, these aren't the fastest guys, they're not the biggest guys, they're the scariest guys. They're the scariest guys because when they play, it's harder to freaking score. And especially when you have two center backs that are really working and they're on the stat sheets as working together really well and having wins and, and preventing goals. Um, that's a good thing. And that's not happening right now. So I, I don't, I, I don't want to like single the dude out. I, I don't, I, I really don't. Cause I mean, you're not seeing like, you know, 
you're not seeing a ton of mistakes necessarily, but it just depends on if you're playing stat ball or Rudy ball. Like, I, I don't know what's happening at training. I don't know if he's like, you know, like the, the, the greatest guy, you know, like, like maybe it's Rudy ball. Like may, maybe like, maybe if you just give him that chance, he's going to be the freaking hero. Um, I don't know. Stat ball or Rudy ball. What, what do you do? Is Lucas Bartlett Rudy in this situation? I'm confused, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying like, you know, is it, is it more of a feeling and a faith or, or are you just looking at stats now that you have some stats um, to, to, to look at and listen, as much as Kansas city knows us, we know them. Yeah. So let's see some, let's see some crazy things. And you know what? I think coach Carnell has shown some, um, uh, some, some great, great strategy, great adjustments. And I think he's really clever. And I, and I don't think we've seen all the cleverness from him. I think he's really a smart dude. Um, and that comes from watching some on-field things and, and just seeing, him talk in uh, impressors and and uh, other events that I've seen him at. I, I think he's a clever dude. So maybe this is when we see some clever things. Yeah, I hope so. Because speaking of knowing Kansas City, Johnny Russell and uh, Tommy weren't in the game uh, or didn't, didn't start and didn't need to impact that 4-1 win in at City Park. And so now you're in Children's Mercy Park. You got a home game. You can potentially pull two of your better players, you know, one of your best players in Johnny Russell. Uh, off the bench and put them in the lineup. I hope I, I'm, I'm interested to see how KC changes. I would expect those to be two of those changes. At the same time, I would expect to see Akil Watts and Sam Madenarin, uh come off the bench for City and start there. Um, because again, I think I think uh, we had Andrew Weeby uh, sound last podcast where he talked about how Adenarin should have started last week. I absolutely agree. He's the one player who has had had goals in at least multi, in multiple games against Sporting Kansas City. That I think needs to be the call right out of the gate. I just I think they played better with that four four two with two strikers. And again, I I think it, it gets down to always having somebody in the middle. And I think Klaus and Adenarin are so potent. And I think that will really open things up in the middle and allow Leuven to do what he wasn't able to do this past week. And and I, I think I think City's City's gonna you know, be a tough out for, for I, sporting Kansas city. I totally agree. I totally agree. And with those two up there, you, you, you present a much, a much more scary dynamic for uh, their keeper. And Casey's keeper is great. He looks like a pilot. Neil is um, so good. God yeah. Listen. Like, I mean, he, he looks like, he looks like a guy who's like confident enough to fly you around the planet. Um, yeah. and, and he's, and he's good and, and he's good, but I do think it's much scarier, uh, with the dinnerman starting with Klaus up there as well. Um, I think it's scarier for the keeper. I think it's scarier for the KC defense. Um, and you know what? Of course, hindsight's tw- hindsight is twenty twenty. But uh, I wish, knowing that we had to go to KC at some point, I really wish. And and of course, like all the the, the home team stuff has very much so, and even in the playoffs, uh, benefited the, the the home teams. I I wish we'd have had the the first game. I wish match one would have been in KC because KC came here with no pressure. Like yeah, I mean, they, they came here knowing that, like, oh, dude, if we rip this off of them, oh boy, like it, all favor for us. You yeah. know, they didn't have the pressure. St. Louis had the pressure. New first playoff match at home, nine o'clock, raining crap. I mean, like that, like it was kind of stacked against us, and in, in, in a weird way, I wish we'd have started it out there. I feel like they would have gone in with that 
underdog mentality that served them so well this season that it's over. Like you can't, you can't have that mentality anymore. It's like, it's cute to say, but dude, you won the West. You're bad at so, playing in front. That's the bottom. Yeah. yeah. You know I, see what what you're saying? I see what you're saying. I, yeah, had, I did it. Had we gone over there, we could at least like psyched ourselves into being like, Oh, we're the underdogs that we're away. You know what I mean? And I swear it would have benefited us as it has the rest of the season, that underdog mind trick. Um, even when we were just, when we were smoking folks, uh, it, it's helpful. And, Dang, if I could take it all back, I'd have done the exact same thing in Kansas City the first time. I think it would have given us a better shot psychologically to win uh, something, come away with something. Then we could have come home, made adjustments, and possibly been done here. But, you know, whatever. It ain't back to the future. So, um, yeah. So, hey, let's let's shift gears for a second and talk about another number 10 because I am sure that you saw that uh, World Cup winner and, uh, you know, number one in our hearts there, Lionel Messi, won his eighth Balloon d'Or, we talked about, Michelle and I had talked about what a, the Balloon d'Or is and, you know, what's that an award for. And um, eight-time Balloon d'Or winner. He ha- it happened on Monday. He edged out uh, Erling Haaland, um, Holland, who played just like, just madly good these did last score, couple of Didn't he score like a goal? Didn't he score like a goal per game in the Champions League? Dude, I mean, that guy, that guy. You talk about a scary striker. Every time he touches the ball, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's just – he's incredible. But Messi added um, – you know, he, he he's, he's got his World Cup. He's got his – he's got all of his trophies over there. He comes over here with this insane success, insane success in the MLS, and then he wins his eighth Balloon d'Or. Just to give you a little context, this started – they've been giving these away. Yes, I love year. this. Oh, I love that you have the context. This is great. Since 1956, okay, since 1956, that means a lot of players have had the opportunity to, to win this yeah. thing. Now, European players have won 53 Ballon d'Ors. South America has claimed 12. Messi, only 10 players have even won multiple. So 10 players total have won more than one. Yep. Only five have claimed the honor three times or more. Messi now has eight. To put it in context, people saw Cristiano Ronaldo during his like you know heyday winning these all the time. He has five. Ronaldo has and five. again, again, when when were non-Europeans allowed to start winning the award? Oh yeah, not not nineteen ninety four. Yeah, not he has the nineties. He has he has beat he has more whole he has more Ballon d'Ors than whole ass countries in Europe mm-hmm. who had forty freaking years head start. Both economically and with soccer, uh, on on these fools, and yeah. he said, "Hold on a second, give me a decade and a half. I'm a school your asses," and that's exactly what he freaking did. Um, let's just go over the schedule real quick on on who's who's beat who. We've we've gone along enough for this episode. Um, FC Cincinnati took on the Red Bulls in their round one, and uh, FC Cincinnati was expected to win. They did. It was three nothing. Orlando City was expected to win over Nashville. They did. It was one to nothing. Uh, they'll play on the seventh. Uh, Cincinnati and the Red, New York Red Bulls will play on the eleventh. And uh, let's see, it looks like Columbus Crew and Atlanta United. Um, that happens today, I believe. Uh, Philadelphia Union beat the Revolution three to one. They go up in their series. St. Louis, obviously, we've talked at length, has lost to uh, Sporting KC four to one. Uh, and then we'll play on the fifth. Seattle Sounders beat Dallas FC Dallas two to nothing. They will play on the fourth. LAFC, as expected, beat the Whitecaps five to two. High scoring game there, and they will play on the fifth as well. And that rounds out uh, what I see as the uh, the round one match ones. 
Yeah, I mean, the big thing you got to look at is, is that City's, you know, City lost at home and, you know, pretty much nobody else did, which is obviously not ideal, not what you want to see there. So not a lot of the other games surprising a lot of people. Obviously, you know, you got big wins from FC Cincinnati. Um, you know, LAFC rolls all over the Vancouver Whitecaps. Obviously, they've been an up-and-down squad. Um, I, I saw that Vancouver's opening up their top level uh, for one of the first times, you know, ever, you know, in, in a huge playoff game coming up this next weekend. Um, but obviously, you know, they're going to have to change things a lot. And, and so City, but it is kind of crazy that, again, everyone else took advantage of, of the home field advantage. Right now, City, the one team who has not. So that's a rough start. And, and you know, hopefully City can bounce back. And hopefully, hopefully we get some away wins here in the second round. Uh, obviously, City being one of them. Oh, yeah, I forgot there was a Houston Dynamo. They were at home as well to uh, Real Salt Lake, and they won 2-1, to one, I believe. So, uh, yeah, man, I think we were the only we were the only surprise. But you know what? We're going to go into Kansas City, and we're going to have our own little surprise for them. I'm sure it's going to be clever. We trust we trust in you, Coach Carnell. There we, we go. Trust, <laughs> we trust in uh, uh, all things Carnell. Uh, and you know what? It's, it's going to go great. And, Rocchio, thanks for joining me today. Always um, moving, of course, buddy. This was fun. Uh, and Thanks I let me rant. I, oh, yeah, man. Me too, dude. I started screaming this, at midfielders. Oh, my God. <laughs> you and me. I, you're screaming at midfielders. I'm screaming about midfielders. It's a good combo. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I've been I've been talking to a lot of people about uh, youth sports and what you're supposed to be as a coach. You're really there to to be an encourager and like a confidence builder. Of course, you're like a skill builder, but first first and foremost, you're a confidence builder. And you know what? To to a degree, even when you get into the pros and semi pros and all that kind of stuff, that job doesn't go away. You're not you're not. It doesn't become just a skill building thing or just a strategy building or a, a management sort of role. You're a confidence builder as well, and a lot of young players uh, going into these types of matches need uh, some confidence building, and I'm sure that's a big part of what's happening in training right now. And hopefully, we see a lot of its results on uh, on uh, game two in in KC. So, until then, let's just hope for a lot of goals. goals!